it's really not too late to follow a passion. Sometimes it might not be able to reach maybe its pinnacle or highest level based on maybe your age, but you can definitely still do it and have an effect and find joy in that. The journey is to find your truth and to really know who you are. That's Danica Patrick, this week on The Ritual Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? What is happening? How are you? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. This is a podcast. It's my podcast, The Rich Roll Podcast. And what I do here is I go deep with the most kick-ass people I can find. And the idea behind it all is to hopefully provide you with some tools, with some insights, with some information to incorporate into your life to, you know implement so that you can be just a little bit better. So today, uh, what do I want to say about today? Well, imagine being the only female athlete in a sport historically and thoroughly, utterly, completely dominated by men. Now imagine not just holding your own in that sport, but actually kicking ass, crushing it. Well, this is the story of race car driver Danica Patrick, who is an extraordinary athlete, uh, someone whose lifelong love for speed made her one of the most successful and widely recognizable athletes on planet Earth, as well as a hero and a role model for women and girls all across the planet. Uh, Her accomplishments are too numerous to list, but among them include Danica becoming the first woman to lead the Indy 500, which is unbelievable, Uh, I think she ended up fourth in that race, which is the highest uh, finish for any female in the history of of Indy 500. She was also the first woman to win an IndyCar circuit race. And then she switched to stock cars where she became the first woman to win the pole position at the Daytona 500. Unbelievable. Uh, She's now on the cusp of retirement and she just released a new book. It's called Pretty Intense, which is sort of a primer or a program for enhancing mind, body, spirit potential. And today we sit down, we had a great talk, which we're going to get into in a second. But first, we're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust 
Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built-to-move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go. And it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first 
purchase. All right, so this is me and Danica Patrick in a conversation about her extraordinary career, her impending retirement, the lessons about life and wellness and performance that she has gleaned along the way, and what Danica's next chapter uh, holds for her. Uh, Danica is a badass. Uh, She's super cool. I totally enjoyed this one, and uh, I hope you do too. So without further ado, I give you Danica Patrick. do this. Danica, thanks so much for uh, for coming out. Sure. Thank you. It's like to talk to you. You came, Can we turn the hourglass came, uh, over? Is we that should. our time limit? No, it's not no, our time I limit. We're definitely going to go longer than that. <laughs> I, I hope, hope not. I hope I don't run out of things to ask you. Is that like a five minute clock? And I hope you're not talked out. You just came from Rogan, right? I did. Yeah. Did you um, go three hours with him? Not quite. No, we went over two hours, but we, we didn't get to three. <laughs> I hope you're not too tired to tell your story once again. No, it's never it's never a problem talking about things that I'm interested in. Well, cool. Well, I'm psyched to talk to you. Um, I know very little about racing, but I have had a couple race car drivers in here before. Have you? I have. Ooh. Well, I'm good friends with Landon Castle. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Sweet. He's a really nice guy. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. And uh, Leilani Munter. Okay, yeah, I, I know before. her too. Yeah, I know, yeah. Sure, I know you do. So we can unpack a little bit of that, but let's talk about the new chapter. I mean, it's been an interesting year for you. You're in yeah. transition from one world to the next. Uh, yeah, I've got a little bit left in my sort of racing world. Um, uh, just doing two races this year to finish off my career, and that'll be uh, the, the Danica Double. The Danica Double. Is that sorted it. out? Well, it's called the Danica Double because for those who don't follow racing, um, uh, the double is known as doing the Indy 500 mm-hmm. on Memorial Day weekend on Sunday and then going straight the same day to go race the Coke 600 in Charlotte. So 1,100 miles of racing in one day. That's known as the double. And two different um, cars. Two different cars, two different states, two different series. Yeah. So that would be the double. But this is the Danica double because... Well, it's just different. It's the way I would do it. And it's the two biggest races of both series. And since I spent, you know, half of my professional career in IndyCar and half of it in NASCAR, it's the Daytona 500 next month, mm-hmm. um, which is the biggest NASCAR race of the year. And then finishing up with the Indy 500, which is what I started off in IndyCar racing. And so it's the biggest race of their season. So that's why we call it the Danica Double. Yeah. Well, you've it's been a long time since you've been in an IndyCar, right? Yes, it has. It's yeah. been since 2011. And do you have the sponsors lined up for that and the cars and everything like that? Uh, you're yeah, working we, on that. we hope to be announcing all that stuff really uh, soon. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I mean, the idea of going from, you know, one kind of racing and car into a completely different one, especially one, you know, you haven't, you haven't done in a while, that's got to yeah. be daunting. And what's weird and interesting about what you do, your sport, is that you can't do it every day. Like if you're a runner you go out and run every day if you're a cyclist yeah. you ride a bike every yeah, you know but you right. can't I mean, get out on the no, track and race a car every day i mean yeah it's for one it's very expensive even if you did it's tires and engines and fuel and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff brakes and whatever else you wear out pounding around so yeah it's not it's just totally different it's more of a well I suppose with, like, let's say if you're a runner or something you could do every day, um, it's really just all you. But with racing, it's you, yes, but um, it's also the build of the car. So really, mm-hmm. no, there isn't many days that go by that something is not, there's not an effort being put towards the program. Um, it's just not on track always. And obviously, it takes, 
you know, teams and teams of people to support a driver like yourself. Mm-hmm. How involved are you in like the actual gearhead aspect None. of the cars? I'm not very... like, do, you know, do you get into that? Uh, not at all. And in fact, I, uh, I disappointed Joe very much uh, on you didn't his know podcast because I'm like, I'm not a car girl. And <laughs> yeah. he was so mad. He's like, you're a race car driver. I'm like, well, I'm just not. I'm not, I uh-huh. just don't care. I, 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 I said that, um, you know, drive cars are like purses to me. I just need one nice one at a time. And when it wears out, I get a new one. Mm-hmm. And you just <laughs> never went under the hood that much. But your dad? Your dad yeah. was kind of a my a dad guy like that, was right? into into racing and lo- you know loves that stuff. It's more his passion. Uh huh. You're just like let me drive. Yeah. Right. So what is the training like for these kinds of races? Um, I mean, you don't really. I mean, how sad is it? You don't really have to be that fit. I mean, there are some drivers in both sports, but especially NASCAR that you look at and you're like, yeah, you, you probably probably don't. Isn't that changing? You probably though? don't really work out that much, do you? I mean, is like, it changing? Not really. I but mean, you have. Just, I mean, Landon's you know triathlete yeah, guys they, are getting into cycling. Dale but Jr. That's just even their interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dale's still Dale Jr.'s interested, and it was his last year, and he's not racing anymore, really. Right. So, and I think he still Jimmy. goes out and does that, and Jimmy does it because he likes it. And but you don't think that has any impact? Oh, I'm on... sure. It, you know, it's physical fitness is important, but you know, then you've got guys like you know Tony Stewart or Ryan Newman that don't work out and they <laughs> right. do just fine. So, um, so I don't think you really have to. So, but it is an endurance event. I mean, I think I've heard you say like it's sort of like running a marathon. It Every is. Week, like, you have an elevated heart rate for yep. a very long period of time you need a certain amount of stamina you got to be able to maintain your focus like Mm -hmm. incredibly so right absolutely i think the focus comes from practice but the but the stamina you know hydration is critical um so so that's uh, that's something to think about and other than hydration then you know repetition with the muscles so Mm -hmm. um you know a general amount of a little bit of flexibility and some endurance so um, but you you know there's also like the whole being race fit which is just basically being able to you know get in the car and you kind of get conditioned by doing it doing the actual job itself so i am more fit than i need to be to do the job yeah but is that mm-hmm. is that always been the case because yeah. you know now pretty intense is out your new book which is great congratulations um and you know it's all about wellness fitness yeah. you have a fitness regimen in there is this something that you have practiced over the years to become a better driver, or is this a newer the regimen for you? No, it's it's not to become a better. Dri- it's not really about driving. It's really about being the best version of myself. But but in the context of driving, has that fitness regimen made you a better driver? Do you think, or is that relationship not that direct? I think the only thing that I would put towards being a better driver is that with the style of working out that I do with the intensity level with the competition of it at times you know i think it makes you mentally stronger mm-hmm. so that mental strength i believe translates mm-hmm. well one thing that is another big part of the new book is mindset yeah you know, sort of your mentality mm-hmm. i mean the mm-hmm. book is called pretty intense right yeah. so you're, you're an intense individual yeah i would presume you know god gifted with a certain level of intensity so yeah. you know what is that um, well, intensity the, all about and, well, and what the, is your mindset the approach? mindset is really I mean the workout stuff is where I really get into the level of intensity and um, you know using things like mantras to get past it and techniques to to push harder but um, but the mind the mental part of the book which is really it's really cool that a lot of almost everyone has said that's their favorite part of the book is the first five chapters on you know the 
sort of mind-body connection and the mental aspect of your life and mm-hmm. gaining strength and confidence through um, certain techniques and doing certain things, activities. Um, so I, but I, I really like that because that's where you're going to find your foundation for the rest, which is why it's the first five chapters of the book, because your mind, the body follows the mind. So if you can tell it to keep going, if you can teach it that believe it then it will and so yeah the mind comes first and everybody's really loved that part and i i love the fact that they did because i feel like as a as a culture we're starting to scratch the surface on how powerful the mind is and what it's capable of and i love that because i believe i was born with a certain amount of that already and you know through the job that i have which is unique and different and you need a lot of that i've been able to you know continue that development and so um you know unknowingly really if that makes sense like just you know we understand you're supposed to be believing yourself and everything but to really start to understand how powerful the mind is 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 more new to me and so um, I look back and see how yeah like many but ahead of the curve a little bit on some of that stuff yeah I think that uh, there's no question about it that the body follows the mind that you know the mind has Mm -hmm. to be in order in order for the body to follow and what's interesting is we're in this period now where we're finally embracing that aspect, mm-hmm. you know, the mental game aspect. And and the idea that the, the mind is trainable is almost like a new concept for a lot of people. I know. And we have science now to back it up and meditation and, and all these things. But like, it's sort of self-evident, especially if you're an athlete, like you kind of know these things and you yeah. come up with this yeah. understanding. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, it's a struggle. Yeah, it makes me think of um, talking to an anesthesiologist a couple months back about um, putting people to sleep and how amazing it was that you don't have to numb the body when you put them to sleep. And they're like, yeah, we don't we don't really understand it completely. I'm like, wow, it's because you're in a different dimension mentally. And like, uh-huh. you don't, you is pain even really happening if we don't if put any not, thought towards it? it? Well, what is pain? If you don't put pain? any thought towards it, then, right, exactly. I mean, essentially, your body's still there. You're still operating. You're still breathing. You're just kind of sleep state. Why don't you feel anything? Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, the idea that that you can become more focused, you can become more present, you can become more aware, you can train your yourself into a state of you know positive outlook. Yeah. All of these things. Um, that we now understand we have agency over as opposed to, well, that person just has a sunny outlook or, you know, he's depressed or... He has all the good luck. I have the bad luck. Mm -hmm. It's about manifesting what you want for your life. And what are the strategies that you employ? Um, You know, one one simple one is just really getting out in nature. I think that nature is a really powerful element for us to ground us and give us some perspective, um, feel at one yet be in awe at the same time of everything. Um, It kind of creates a state of appreciation, you know, gratitude, gratefulness, um, uh, connection. Um, I just, I don't think it's possible to go out in nature and feel worse. Mm -hmm. It's almost not even possible to just feel the same. You feel better. You feel more positive. You feel happier. Um, So that's one of them. Um, Also, this sort of concept of neuroplasticity and how your thoughts kind of create patterns in your mind of, of, and they become normal for you. And so you have to retrain your brain, um, which is the practice, right? That's just the practice. It's just, you know, 
correcting first it's identifying your negative thoughts and then it's correcting them and then they eventually become all po- more positive overall mm-hmm. and so um you know retraining your brain and that that chapter is called mind river essentially trying to say that as you the river cuts in deeper and deeper and the more you think about something the deeper it cuts and the harder it is to get out of that pattern and so um, make sure you're make sure you're thinking of things that are positive and good you can't have a happy life with negative thoughts mm-hmm. and, a, and a sort of uh, counterpoint or not counterpoint but like cousin point to that mm-hmm. is this idea of acting as if right acting like this as I- if. yeah like sort of and you talk yeah. about this in the book this idea of like if you're not feeling up for it just like trick yourself into the mindset that you're capable of this and sort of carry yourself accordingly as a way of, you know, creating that new neural pathway or like emboldening it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because it's quick, it's amazing how quickly you do fall into that new attitude. If you, you might start off your day and again, it's just your own thoughts. It's your own, you're creating your own reality. So if you tell yourself like, oh, it's a crappy day, then it will be. But if you, maybe you start off with one of those thoughts and you quickly correct it and identify and you're like, it's going to be a great day. And I don't even care how over the top you are. You Be obnoxious about it. Like say like, man, I just saw a unicorn fly by. This is going to be wonderful. Um, I don't care what you have to do, but you will find yourself being positive and in a good mood much quicker than you think. I mean, honestly, it probably takes... I mean, you could probably change your mood in minutes if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And do you have a formal meditation practice? Yeah. Uh, well, what would you describe as formal? You know, sitting, as opposed to like active meditation, like, oh, I'm jogging or I'm walking around, like just literally sitting down and, yes. you know, practicing a specific technique. Yes. I wasn't sure if you meant like once a day, when I wake up. Mm-hmm. No, no, there's no um, pattern to it, as, but there is formal meditation practice as well as moving meditation practice, which would be more of my nature walks and things like that of listening to. And for some reason, for me, um, music gets me there a little bit better than, than pure silence. I would think that it seems to me that every race car driver should meditate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, because you have to stay so present for yes. so many hours. So one thing I did when I was younger that I do think there are a fair amount of drivers that do it, but I think there are lots that don't, mm-hmm. is I would do visualization for sure. When I was a young kid in go-karting, I would visualize the perfect lap. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you can maintain that level of just intensity for that many hours. Well, you do, you develop that, but then there's also the next level. And I think that every sport you see that come out of an athlete, whether it be um, the last 10 laps of a race, having to start from the back because you got a pit road penalty and you were running really well and you get mad and you kind of, you're able to enter the next level mentally Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden while you had to start in the back maybe you were running sixth then you had to start last and all of a sudden you find yourself right back up to top five again and it didn't take any time at all you're like wait where'd that come from you've been Mm -hmm. stuck right here for the whole race you know where did that come from i think as a driver as an athlete as a person we can achieve the next level but we can't stay there that's not a sustained state i don't think that next level mentality but by all means probably what we do in the car in general is next level for a lot of people. But I think, you know, to the critical level, it there is another level too. 
Right, but that idea that that you know, let's say you're you're in the front or you're in the mix near the front of the race, and then something happens, and suddenly you're in the back. You know, somebody with a less well-trained mind could then start looping negative. Oh, I blew oh. it. It's over. Like, just forget it. You know, as opposed to understanding, like, oh, the rate, there's still hours left in this yeah. race. There's plenty that can be done. Like, keep it together. Some stay. are mentally weak and melt right. down, mm-hmm. and others dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much of it, racing, is mental versus physical? Oh, mm-hmm. if I had to well, give I it a percentage, I mean, I think as far as I think mental is probably. If we're only talking about mental, physical, and we're not breaking it down in any more categories than that, I would say mental is probably, I would think like 75% of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's mental, physical, and then there's like the, the mechanical aspect yes. of it. That you know, everything that goes into that, so, which most athletes don't have to worry about 100%, that kind of thing. And then when you get beyond the car and you break down the rest. Right. Yeah, so the thing is like, if you don't have a great car, like there's only so much you're going to be able to do. And I think a lot yeah. of racers are in that position where yeah. they could be amazing drivers, yeah. but they're just dealing with equipment that's just yeah. never going to get them there, yeah. right? That's 100% true. Yeah. yeah. And when you look at your, when you reflect back on on your career and, and the mental aspect, you know, of, of what contributed to your success and everything, um, you know, that you've enjoyed as a result of that career, like, can you pinpoint it to any one particular thing, I mean, intensity, yes, but what is that actually? And like, what do you think it is that that made you great or that distinguished you from other competitors? Yeah, it's the it's the the mindset of being able to focus critically as well as dig deeper when times get tough. So I'd say in the longevity of my career and having the endurance to get through having no ride or being put down or being judged or, you know, having bad days, whatever it may be. It's the mindset. It's the being positive. It's being, you know, it's, uh, it's being strong enough to endure those things without breaking down. And where do you think that comes from? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know you well enough to know. Well, it's not really about me. It's about anyone. Well, I think that on some level, you it, it's a result of your upbringing. It's okay. how your parents raised you. It's your environment growing up and whatever stimulus you had to, you know, sort of weather or mm-hmm. overcome to be the person that mm-hmm. you are. And it's what is inherently driving you, motivating you to succeed, like whatever is behind that. Like, I don't know. Only you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all those things all matter. All those things. Well, I let- wonder how much you're born with. I wonder, you know, I wonder as we come into this world, I mean, how much does our spirit dictate things? Are we, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I were you a always a competitive, were you the... competitive as a young kid? I yeah. mean, I know you started racing yeah. when you were like yeah. eight, right? Oh, yeah. So from the I mean, get-go. I was competitive with my sister growing up. The phone would ring and I'd be like, all right, we'll race to the phone. Three, two, one. And I just sit there. So uh-huh. I won because uh-huh. I don't want to have to go get it. <laughs> You know, things well, like that. I've been competitive my whole life. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot already there. But then, you know, my dad is a driven person and, um, you know, he owned his own business and he was uh, never let being a girl be something that was a defining factor on how well I should do. It was just about being a driver. So, you know, my upbringing and my value system was good for that. 
um, I didn't really even think about being a girl in racing until I started being asked about being a girl in racing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing to hear you say that, though, because it seems like such an obvious thing that would have been front of mind yeah, in the beginning. It really wasn't until I was 14 and I started being noticed for doing really well and being on, I was on, you know, getting on TV shows. And I remember the first thing, the first big thing was it was on ABC Sports and it was, or on ABC, it was a Sunday afternoon special and it was called uh, passion to play making of a champion and it was an hour-long special and it was myself Tara Lipinski the figure skater and Anna Kornikova the tennis player the three of us wow. and we were all 14 Wow! and um, so yeah that was a long long time ago and they came and followed me around at my high school and went to the track with me and 20 hours of VHS videotape interviews and <laughs> back in the day uh, so yeah so there was a lot of a lot of footage back then and then MTV came and shot something for one of their shows that was about you know kids doing extreme things and and that was before you went off to the UK yeah and all I was of fourteen that. I was still in, I wow. was a freshman in high school and so you had to have some awareness at that so time that's when like I started oh to get the there's awareness. like a whole thing here like I could you know I have like a, mm -hmm. an opportunity that's here to when really... I started to notice mm -hmm. yeah but let's take it back before that so you're eight years old you start racing go karts ten. 10, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Yep, my sister your, was eight. your dad was like a into it and all that kind of yep, stuff. Yeah, my I, dad used to race snowmobiles. Mm -hmm. Well, actually started off in motocross and then he did um, snowmobile racing and then midgets, which is like a on a dirt track where the cars are sideways. Uh-huh, <laughs> and this is in Illinois? All over, time? I mean, he raced in up but in- But where you grew up? Oh yeah, Northern mm -hmm. Illinois, right on the border of Wisconsin. Actually, I was born in Beloit, Wisconsin, but we lived in South Beloit, Illinois. So mm -hmm. we were right on the state line. Right, and when you're- in that circuit as a young kid there's race i mean what is that world like there's like races all over the place like there's a whole world there right yeah i mean there's local so i started off with like one track for a year and then we started going regional um so around the midwest and then we started going you know all over the country and i raced everywhere from california to new york canada florida mm -hmm. um so yeah raced all over the place so you just kept going further and further and then obviously winning having some yeah. success which leads to this decision to drop out of high school and go to go to go I to did. britain right i did i i won a lot and um growing up and then it was about what do you do next mm -hmm. and i didn't want to become a professional go-kart driver so i was like well let's go race cars then and so um we uh, i went to england when i was 16 i pulled out of high school my junior year halfway through and in fact my junior year i I only was there for the first few weeks and the last few weeks of the semester because I was in England um, racing as well. So I, I pretty much only went through my sophomore year, but I officially pulled out of high school when I was um, halfway through my junior year. And then I moved to England. And why England? What was going on there? You know, there was um, way back when I was 14. 14 was a, I wonder what, what was going on when I was 14. A lot was happening. Um, but there was um, where my family, my we were at the Indy 500 and um, we were invited to a suite um, of a family that had a race team. And so there was a British guy sitting at the bar. And so I, I'm 14 at the bar. <laughs> I just realized wow. that I'm describing the story like that. Um, but I was just, I mean, it was daytime. So we just hung out and I was asking questions about racing in England. And, um, you know, lo and behold, I must have struck a chord. So two years later, when I was 16, this family they contacted me and said that they wanted to meet with me and my dad and talk about going to race in england and mm -hmm. so um it was an opportunity and we took it and so when you're there there's like instruction <clears throat> there's teams was the path or like the idea that you would 
end up in IndyCar or ultimately Formula One? Or was there well, like a Well, when I sense lived in of, England, it was definitely, I, I had said that if I don't make it to Formula One, I will, fail, I will have failed. Right. So let's maybe maybe describe the differences between like NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, all of that for people that don't know. Well, they're all the top levels of each of their sports. So Formula One is international. Um, IndyCar is domestic in the States. It's also open wheel, just like Formula One. And then there's um, NASCAR, which is um, stock car racing. Mm -hmm. So um, open wheel literally just means the wheels are open and exposed. So um, stock cars are just, the wheels are covered. So um, NASCAR is the top level of that. And IndyCar is the top level open wheel domestic. And then international is top level is F1. So um, I'm sure everyone could argue why theirs is better. Right. <laughs> so you're in you're in the UK. Formula One is what it's all about. Yep. And like you, 100%. you, you were like Formula take, One and, and soccer. Or yeah, soccer, football. of course. <laughs> um, and at some point, at least I read this somewhere, like uh, Jackie Stewart comes into the equation. Oh, yeah. He comes yeah. like a mentor I, to you. I, I was um, there was a little bit that I thought I might race for him. Um, he had a Formula Three team over there. But uh, that didn't end up happening. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I rode around in a car with Jackie Stewart, and he was driving mm-hmm. me around. And yeah, I knew I knew him all right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. If I saw him, I, he would remember me today. And yeah, we and saw it, each other a few times. Is that where you think like you got the crazy skills? Like you really learned how no. to drive a car, or <laughs> like from, what happened over no. there? I mean, not from him specifically, but uh, from like being in the UK and that experience and kind of um, learning what that world is all about. Well, I think that when it comes to your ability, I mean, I kind of feel like you can or you can't. You see either you have it or you don't. Yeah. That's why I think in racing you see just the driver on their own. It's not like any other sport where there's a coach for everything. You mm-hmm. can't like learn a play and run it or, you know what I mean? Like runs, I mean, it's just, it's all instinct. It's all so, it happens so fast. It's a feel on on such a fine level that you know you just have to have and um yeah you just have to have that ability for it so you know usually if someone's good they're they're always good they're always good it seems like there could be like virtual reality games that could help improve your drive like you know how pilots go into the simulator Mm -hmm. and learn how to you know learn how to fly a plane like it seems like there should be something like that for driving so you could practice consistently maybe um from a visual standpoint but you'll never replicate feel so you can't replicate Mm, g-forces lateral load slip of the tires you just can't replicate that Mm -hmm. video games in my mind um simulators because i've been in a couple um simulators are are I'm gonna be mean. Simulators for people who want to play video games. Yeah, I don't like video games at all. <laughs> like well, that goes against the whole nature thing. So anyway, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So, so what do you, what do you think it is that that distinguishes like a good driver I from think a great the driver? The only thing you can do that will help you develop as a driver is to put yourself in more scenarios where you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. to expand your comfort zone. So new cars, new environments, new conditions, different changes. All that stuff. That right. that I think is about the only thing you can do that would really help you develop as a driver. And the dividing line between a good driver and a great driver is? Um, yeah, I think one of them is probably what I was mentioning earlier about being able to sort of tap into that, that higher level of consciousness maybe or that much more um, in tune, elevated state that gets you to a 
further along place and mm-hmm. on track where you can focus better, drive harder, believe more. Um, I think that's one of them. I think if you can get into that space and that zone more often for longer, that. Um, uh, I think that trickles down, right? So confidence gets you a lot of places. Um, so, you know, being able to not only believe what you're doing on track, but then have that translate to the people working on the car and, um, you know, having them believe it just as much as you. I think all those things are really powerful. Um, because then they're going to give you a better car and you go faster when your car is better. What kind of, uh, like pedestrian driver are you? Mm -hmm. Like when you're just driving around, are you? I'm, 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 (laughs) you get tickets and stuff. Yeah. The only way what happens when a cop pulls you over, the only way I can guarantee that I'm not going to get a speeding ticket is if I don't drive because I won't drive. I will speed. Do Do you drive a fast car? Um, well, I, I've had various different cars over the years. I, I, um, I've had everything from a Lamborghini to, um, 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 a big mom SUV. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I run the gamut of all different kinds of vehicles. So. And when a cop pulls you over and sees who sees it's you, does, does he God, let, I'm does let you off? That happens. I'm hopeful that happens. Does it happen? Has it happened? If it happens, I usually get out of the ticket, you? but it's when they they're like, oh, she either, can't maybe, help it. You know, I think that if they knew who I was and they said it, I don't think they're, they're not going to give me a ticket, but I think sometimes they might know who I am and they don't say it so they can give me a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> to and pretend I like they recognize don't know. that I'm breaking the law. I do, mm. but I, you know what I was can't thinking? Help it. Well, I can't help it. I have a large comfort zone. Um, but I think that I should, uh, I think I should pull out my FIA racing license. I only have a little bit more time to have that license since I've got mm-hmm. one year left on my schedule here, but um, I'm going to pull that out if I, when I get pulled over again. I'm sure I will. Right. Like, so gonna if anybody's going to speed, it should be me. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm At least more I know qualified what I'm doing. than you, cop. Yeah. <laughs> and I am. I know. That argument probably won't go over well, I don't though. think it'll go over no, well, but they're probably going to give me a ticket anyway, so screw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to try, right? Because what makes me mad is when I don't try at all. And I'm like, gosh, I just, I, as they're walking back to their car, I'm like, I really just hope that they recognize and know who I am and they put it together and they go, you know what? Slow down. Ha ha ha. It cuts both ways though. It could be like, oh, she thinks she can do that because she's who she is. Like, I do. I'm not going to get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Right? I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I'm qualified. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton, birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. 
That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you, I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. So you're, you're learning your craft in the UK, start racing, you come back to the United States to give me, what happens next? Well, I didn't have a ride. Um, I was, um, I was over in England and it was towards the beginning of the season in 2000, I think it was. And, um, 
I remember my sister was over with me and my manager called and said, don't get in the car tomorrow. And I was like, oh my God. And it was a race the next day. Mm. And I had already been on track practicing, qualifying. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing, not driving to the track today. And uh, and then I, I went home and I didn't have a ride 2000, 2001. And then, well, the last half of 2000 and the first half of 2001, finally at the end of 2001, I... Um, I got a ride in another series. Um, that car didn't end up racing, so it gave me another chance to look for the real ride that I wanted in open wheel racing. So then I found one in 2002, and then I raced um, Formula Atlantic in three and four, mm-hmm. and then IndyCar five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and mm-hmm. full time NASCAR twelve through now. Right, and you start you know breaking through all these boundaries in IndyCar. You had some <laughs> crazy success. Like I'm looking at your Wikipedia. I was like, I can't remember all of these results. There's just I like way either. too many races. Like how do you I even like, either. you know, some people have a real memory for that stuff. Not but I. you know, the big, the, there were, there are two big ones. Third, yeah. third at the Indy 500 in 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then 2008, you win Indy Japan. Yeah. Right. And so the those first are huge. year really in 2005, actually, um, uh, at Indy. I came mm-hmm. off of finishing fourth in Japan, um, qualifying on the front row. It was only my third IndyCar race, third, I think third or fourth, only a few. And, um, and then, uh, Indy 500, I, I, I almost, I have, I, I get a little loose in turn one on lap one. Cause I told myself I wasn't going to lift and qualifying and it was kind of cold that day. And, mm-hmm. So I got a little sideways. I still qualified fourth, and um, that was the race that I was leading really late in the race, and um, ended up finishing fourth. But that was quite a breakthrough because there was a lot of buzz about me being there and being fast, and mm-hmm. and I really did almost win the race. So, um, 2005 Indy 500, 2007 Indy 500, I finished third, and then um, 2008 I won in Japan. And what was that like? That period of time. I mean, it must have been crazy. Right, the amount well, of attention being thrown at you. 2005, we kind of nicknamed Danica Mania because it just kept coming. Like I remember, it was really close to the race, um, to the Indy 500 race in in May. And again, I'd only been in the IndyCar series for a couple months, and I was so just over everything, interviews, and since I had just started to really rise in popularity right then, everybody kept asking for interviews, new ones every day. And so I remember I told my my PR guy, I was like. Brent, I can't do a single, don't even ask me for one. Don't just don't even ask. And he was like, called and he's like, Good morning, America. I said, Don't even ask. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up doing it somehow. But um, but I was um, I had had enough. Is it overwhelming? Yeah, well, I think when it comes so fast it is. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I could not handle what I'm doing these days, schedule wise five years ago mm-hmm. and 10 years ago. Yeah, but, you're like 24, 25 years old when this is going on, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. So, you know, it was all kind of coming quickly. Uh, but, you know, I, it, you get used to it, just like races. I mean, my races were 10 laps long and then they're 20 and then they're 40 and then they're 100. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you build up to five hours in the car. And kind of baked into this is this mantle that then you're kind of shouldered with that you're this empowering female role model. You're breaking these barriers. I mean, the only woman to ever win an Indy race, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Highest finisher at Indy 500. Yeah. Um, and to Highest this day, NASCAR are there are there women in IndyCar now? Tens. Is there any um, other women? Uh, not that I know of right now. Yeah. And what about NASCAR? No. Yeah. Not at the top level. So 10 years after this still, right? <laughs> so how do you, like, how were you uh, processing all of that at that time. 
same way I am now. <laughs> yeah, and, and and what is it like now? Like, how do you think about your your sort of role with respect to all of that? Uh, uh somewhat of a duty. Um, like I was given a special gift and an ability to do this, and you know, I felt like um, felt I feel like on some level, it's while I am retiring though, it, it it's it's been my duty to follow through and to keep pushing and going for not only for myself, of course, which is the, look, if I don't want to do it, I won't do it anymore, which leads me to what I'm going, where I'm going now. But, um, but for the inspirational element to, that's the powerful thing that you don't really realize when you're doing things is how it can affect someone else. Mm -hmm. So that was a pretty cool element to kind of discover over time. And when you're young, you get asked about being a role model and you're like, shoot, need one like i'm just mm -hmm. i'm just starting off um but then you get older and um you answer questions about it which is almost like therapy because you're like you don't even know what to say but you have to come up with something and right. i don't Somebody's just waiting for you I to say just, the inspirational thing yeah, yeah and or how or why like what do you what would you tell young girls or what's your advice and how did you get to where you are now and you know at first when you get asked that question you're like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you just did what you like doing. Yeah, but then you kind of end up identifying over time and in in contrast to other people how maybe your mindset is different and mm -hmm. how it could help people. Well, I would imagine you have young girls coming up to you all the time, right? Who who want to connect with you mm -hmm. or just want to tell you how much you've inspired them. And I would imagine that that sort of, you know, has to impact you emotionally on some level. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it's a definitely a lot of very grateful. Um, mm -hmm. Makes you want to do more. Yeah, do better. And yet, you know, ten years after these, you know, the, the sort of pinnacle, like your biggest successes, there still aren't. <laughs> there's no women in these in these yeah. sports. but know, that wasn't sport. my goal. No, I, I know. But yeah. just the trickle down impact sure. of just you yep. being, you yeah. know, this huge name in the sport. Yeah. You would think, like, yeah. by now. I mean, maybe there are, I hope there are women who are kind of like coming up. But. Again, my my goal to inspire has a lot more to do with people following their um, following their dreams. And but for one, having one, I mean, that's the, that's the start. If you don't know what you want, how do you get anywhere? Mm -hmm. And most people don't even know what they want. Most people don't. They don't. That's why they're wasting money going to college for a general degree because they still don't know what they want. So how do you get somebody to know what they want? Well, they have to they have to let the ego step aside and they have to um, really be true to themselves instead of what their friends or culture or high school or their buddies or someone like that tells them they're supposed to be like or some guy tells some girl what she should look like or do or how she's supposed to act. You have to get to the core of who you are. And um, it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, and I because I, I think a lot of that comes from um, being alone. And um, that's not something that we do very much of when we're younger. We don't really want to be alone. It's and a it's, punishment it's to be also, alone. It's also harder and harder to be with yourself now because yeah. you're, we're just constantly distracted. Well, you pick up your phone have, and you're not our, alone. We're on you, our phone. Yeah. It's so hard, which so is why no meditation ability. practice right. is so valuable because like, I always see stuff pop up on social media about should meditation be a class in school? I'm like, yes. I mean, you should teach teach kids from a young age the value of being able to listen to them listen to the inner voice and um be quiet and um well there's truth in the in the silence and so um you know that that comes to people 
when they get good at listening to it. But um, but it, you don't if you don't ever learn how to be quiet, then how do you ever hear it? Yeah, I agree completely. We're so socially conditioned to just get on a certain track and follow that track. And if you step a little bit to the yeah. left or the right of it, people get a little nervous. Mm -hmm. If you step outside of it, then they get really nervous. And if oh, you decide to go you. become a race car driver, then people freak out. Yeah. You know? It's so, and so it's, people stay in their lane. Yeah. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. then 20 years later, Pun they're intended, like, what am, I, what am I doing? You know, I don't even you know. Do. And, and if you ask that person, well, what is your goal? Or like, you know, what, what makes you you? Or like, what is your heart song? Yeah. Or, or what gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. Most people, don't even know how to answer don't that question. Know. And it's not their fault. It's because they were reared in a system and in an environment where that kind of that line of questioning was never a priority. I disagree with that somewhat. It is their fault. They're the only ones that can change it. But I do feel like they're the only ones that can change it. But if you're from a very young age, well, you're being messaged in a certain way. 100% made more difficult. And some sometimes you're not you don't have access to um, different mentalities, environments, um, but you really are the only one that can change it. So, you know, so it's about access. It's about raising awareness about that, about your mind. It's about, you know, so that's why, I mean, I've written dream big on a million hero cards for people because I, especially for kids, because I mean it. And what's funny is when I go do like, let's say I go do something for like the Girl Scouts or something. And I, that is my message. But I also, cause there's parents in the room as well. I'm also mm -hmm. like for kids, but adults too, because we all can, I mean, look at Betty White. Betty White's working and she's like 150, you know, like we, you know, you can work. Okay, she's like 80 mm -hmm. or 90 or something. Um, I don't know. But she's still kicking that. Yeah, exactly. So you can't tell me that you can't have a career when you're 40 or 50 or 60. I mean, you can take on new projects and no one wants to just sit at home and do nothing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really not too late to um, follow a passion. Um, Sometimes it might not be able to reach maybe its pinnacle or highest level based on maybe your age, but you can definitely still do it and have an effect and mm -hmm. find joy in that. And so um, the challenge for everyone that I give them is what would you do to answer the question, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And most people don't have an answer. Mm -hmm. Most children do, though. Most children do gets beat out of them at some point yeah well they get put on and, the, you know like you said but like i would i might you get put on the wheel right you're just like on the mouse wheel and you just mm -hmm. keep going because you know you go to school and your you know your your creativity is um dampened by you know reading out of a book and sitting in a specific chair raise your hand and do the, can i go to the bathroom you know like it's just you know very regimented and then you know you you've got to figure out what you want to do in life but you've not been given the mental capacity or creative space to really actually know what you want to do and you've been culturized by you know media and social media and tv and all the other things that go on and then you are like well i don't know what to do but i got to go to college and now you're in debt so you get whatever job you can get because you got to pay the bills now because you're out of college and you got your general degree and then you're doing a job that you don't like but you have to do it because you have no other option mm -hmm. and you're too scared to try anything new because you're stuck there and you have to pay your bills and it's just like this horrible cycle and then you become resentful yeah. and that resentment uh devolves into anger and mm -hmm. then you start trolling people on twitter <laughs> You know, like, social stalking okay it's called yeah. social stalking but even that kid you know back oh, yeah, in well, elementary no, school Sorry, social stalking and trolling trolling are the mean those people. are two different things yeah <laughs> well it's when they're the trolls are it's more about it's all about them and their oh, mental state of course i feel such sympathy and sadness for those people the trolls Did on you social see media what, what, because 
I have I can't do that like there's no way I would be able to tell a stranger especially like if it was a famous stranger like oh you're such a piece of whatever I wish you would have died in that wreck or you know you're such a you don't know me Mm -mm. so it's lucky for me because you know 99.99% 99.99% of those people I don't know um, but like now sort of shift it to sc- school and kids and you know somebody says something mean on social media I mean like look they've got you know what 38 followers um, yeah and they, they know all their followers fo- they know those exactly. people exactly so it's so, so much brutal. more impactful mm-hmm. because they're like wow you called me fat you know what I look like you know what I mean like or you know you you called me mean oh shoot you walk by me in the hallways you know there's just it's so much closer to home for kids. They can't escape it. And social media is just so dangerous from that perspective. So even myself, I find myself like f- unfollowing people as I go along to some degree, just because if I'm like, if I have a negative thought enough times about someone and what they're doing or saying, I, I have to unfollow them because I realize it's a bad pattern, bad mental pattern. It's not productive for well, me. You're allowing that into your space. You're, allowing you're making it into a decision your space. about what you, you yes. know, what you're consuming and yes. what's co- coming into your boundary right and i think being more mindful about that is important but to your point about kids it's devastating you know bullying is bad enough without the the tools of technology that can amplify and you can hide behind it yeah it's 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 really devastating it is it is and you know like kids back to your earlier point like a kid in elementary school who maybe is a little bit different because he wants to draw comic books or become a stand-up comedian or showing any kind of like creative flair or interest that's outside the narrow scope of whatever is being taught in that in that classroom right is rather than encouraged maligned and 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 told that they're different or there's something wrong with them yeah right and we really need Get systemic structural <laughs> changes yeah. to identify those kids and to support them yeah so that I, they can really, be that person who you know they want to be i've heard about some schools that are a little bit more progressive and uniquely different in their structure um i don't know a lot about them but i've heard of a few different examples but i i mean i think that the school structure is just so outdated the, the institution of it is so outdated yeah definitely did you see uh what's how sarah silverman dealt with a troll recently kind of like made news oh no I, somebody I was saw trolling her up, but i didn't read it what did they i can't say? remember what the person said but it was it was just a bit of nastiness with a nasty word like the c word or something like that she did to them or she, no no somebody, somebody did to her. her somebody said to her mm-hmm. and she kind of responded to this person with this unbelievable like message of compassion like i'm so sorry you must be a very unhappy person or yep. or i i can hear your pain you I know get, behind yeah. that and you know let's talk about it and she ends up in this dialogue with this person at the end of it like this guy is like You're amazing. confiding all of his <laughs> secret and like i'm so unhappy yeah. and this happened to me and that happened to me and she ends up like getting this person help wherever he lives for his, yeah. I can't remember whether it was depression or he had back problems wow. or all these I kinds mean, of things. It was wow, like that's fantastic. this master class in how to like really flip the switch on the whole thing. She's gonna find you herself know, on Oprah in cool. no time then. I know, well, she's amazing, so. Do you watch uh, but, the, um, what is it on Oprah? It's uh, uh, Sunday, it's um, Super, Soul Super Soul Sunday. Sunday. I, I haven't watched yeah, it. Those are great, yeah. those are great. It kind of gets Inspirational more. Inspirational people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've had it, but you've had to deal with haters and detractors yeah, and all like that I said, kind of stuff. Yeah, like I said, people would say, I wish I would, I would have died in an accident. Of course, people are so mean and rude. It's so crazy. People that say mean things about the way I look or the way I act or what I do. Absolutely. 
But again, they're strangers. So yeah. I, and what do you think that's about? Like you're just, just your existence is threatening to their worldview or something? I uh, like it is a reflection of what they can't do. And they, they are, it's their insecurities screaming out mm-hmm. that they can't. And but they just, do it in you a, just block them or mute them or what is your strategy? Sometimes, but I've done a lot less of that. I just tend to not look at it that much, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, like I might look at the feedback on Instagram, let's say like maybe some recent ones or maybe I'll flip back a couple, but you know, there's 500 responses, so I'm, I'm not going to read them all. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't recommend anyone does. Right. It's an interesting time right now. We're in this, you know, moment of incredible female empowerment with the Me Too movement and a lot of bad behavior getting rooted out. And as you, you as somebody who's, you know, basically, in, you know, emblematic, like this ambassador of female empowerment, do you, how do you see, do you see yourself as mm-hmm. somebody who needs to speak to that at all? Or are you just doing your thing? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I don't find myself in sort of those very public sort of Hollywood circles of like awareness on something or getting involved in movements or whatnot, I try and live my life as an example in and of itself and stress the importance of confidence and um, knowing who you are and what you want from life. Um, I think if it affected me directly that I would say whatever the hell I wanted to mm-hmm. because yeah, that's, I mean, my, you're, you're that's a straight my truth. Shooter, yeah, because that's know? my truth. But um, I also, you know, depending on what's going on, there's it's hard to know the truth about anything completely. And so, you know, I, I tend to see things that pop up in the media and I'm like, well, but you know, what about this and what about that? And really it's a matter of knowing your own personal space, your own personal confidence, your own worth, and um, not putting yourself into situations that are risky. Um, but then there's a lot of it where, you know, humanity in and of itself, um, you know, probably a little bit more men towards women at times, there needs to be a respect. Mm-hmm. It just has to be. I mean, we all need to respect each other more. Um, like those great commercials, like we're more alike than not, all of us. Yeah. And, you know, we need to embrace that and understand that. And the old, the old saying, can't we all just get along? Yeah. I mean, why? Why can't we? I don't know. I wish we could. Maybe we can help help together we can help get there i agree i do believe that's somewhat of my role Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i I look forward to that in fact one of my hopes is is that the book is successful and that especially the mental part of the book resonates with people um and i've heard great stories about it just from my own friends and how like one of my friends's mom will read the book and i just heard the story the other night and how she loved it so much and she was surprised almost by it and she's like buying it for all of her girlfriends and Um, But I would love to um, make a book for each section of the book, the mind, the body and the and the and food and have it. But the mental book is what I'd want to write first, because I think that's what our culture needs the most. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. 
You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. What I like about the book and kind of what preceded it was this intention, this idea of not just writing a book, like here's all my secrets or, or whatever, but doing like involving your community, like by mm-hmm. setting up this website, prettyintense.com and the Facebook group and like really oh, crowdsourcing, yeah. you know, the people that are into what you have to say and do and getting them involved and taking them on this journey with you towards whether it's weight loss or changing their diet or, or whatever to get them healthy and and then sharing those success stories like throughout the book i think it's really cool the focus group test was a great idea and um i loved that i was able to test it out and so as a, i also was sure that incorporated into the program we did this a year ago so january through march of last year 700 people sh- signed up for it in which they had to send a before mm-hmm. picture in and every one of them was sc- was screened like they had to be a qualified before picture because mm-hmm. i didn't want everyone to just sign up and then be then like not take part or think like why would i buy the book now i already got the workout um there is so much more to the book than just the workout um so 700 people were in and um s- there was just such incredible success stories but my point that i wanted to um make was that it was very important to me that there was um a, there was a, f- a forum so that i could talk to anyone that had questions because again i'm new to this i know what i'm doing but mm-hmm. you know providing structure from a diet standpoint or a fitness standpoint or even like a mental standpoint like i i loved being able to be honest with these people in this new capacity that i was in um this new space um because a lot of it had to do with telling them they just loved making excuses why they couldn't stop eating dairy or they couldn't stop doing this or that and i wanted i just was able to tell them that it's their own their own way and they can do whatever they want to do kind of thing so um but there was such it just really went so well and it was fun to engage with them on that level but a limited level like i can't I couldn't do a, I couldn't do all a day, forum right now emails all with day. the people that are buying the book and doing the program because it's not, you know, it's not like a core group of 50 people that keep talking to me on it. It's, you know, wider than that. So I can't do it now. But it was great to do in developing the program and um, understanding more so I could make it better for everyone else when the book came out. Mm-hmm. In the book, you say kind of point blank, 
uh, I'm not going to bore you with my personal story. Yeah. And you kind of just don't, and you don't, like you don't, yeah. I know. And then it's just all about like, here's how to help yourself. You yeah. know, here are all these tools, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, but your story's cool. Like, that's not going to bore anyone. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's hear a little bit about your story because I think that, in, that, yeah. that like, that's why people are are buying your book because yeah. they they want to connect with but you and who you me. are. No, they can't be you, but they can they can learn from your example. You know, to but these are all the things themselves. that I've found make me a better person and have helped me. And so it's really about finding your own inner confidence and your own worth and your own dreams. If you don't, then it's all temporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, you have to have, you have to have a goal. You have to know why you're doing something. You have to have, and even in the program, I I don't even recommend that your goal be to lose weight. Like, I I don't even recommend that be your goal because you will. Like, if you do the program, you will. There's no way around it. You're going to, you're going to lose weight. You're going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You're just gonna. If you do the program as it's written out, you will. What I really hope is that people want to keep doing it and it becomes a new way of life and that's why i also say and i said this when i wrote the website for the for the focus group test a year ago that it will change your life in ways and 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 it will absolutely change your life it's written on the cover of the book and it will um but in the best of ways i say because it's going to change everything it's going to change the way you eat the way you grocery shop what standards are okay for yourself um and within your family, for your friends, for your children, for for anyone, it's gonna it's gonna change somewhat of your structure about what is important for you, like you know, going out for drinks, or is it going to get a workout? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's just there's certain structural things that will change, but it's gonna be all the bet for the best. I mean, you're gonna feel so much better. You're gonna be better for you, which when you're better for you, you're better for everyone else. What I found with these kinds of things, just in my own personal experience and, and you know other people that I've worked with, is the goals change. Because when you begin, if you're not used to practicing certain lifestyle habits, they're mm-hmm. not rote and part of who you are, you set a certain goal, but that goal isn't, is most likely like not the right goal for you because you're so disconnected from who you are. You don't even know what your own goal is. It goes back to what we were talking about, about if you don't know yourself well enough to know what it is that you aspire to or what it is that you want to pursue with your life, Mm -hmm. then how can you be expected to set a goal that is in alignment with that higher sense of self, right? So, but you set it, you achieve it, but in the practice of achieving it, you learn something about yourself mm-hmm. that reveals you more do. to you. And then perhaps you set a different goal or you realize like maybe that goal wasn't well, the right goal for me. I do believe that once you finally, if you set goals for yourself that aren't in alignment with your true self, they just aren't going to happen very easily. And they're going to meet resistance. They're going to be tough. It's going to be, it's just not going to flow. Like things are just not going to flow with that with that goal. Um, once you do set ones that are in alignment though, all of a sudden things start to click and happen and synchronicities going left and right. And you're like, oh my God. And to me, those are like the green flag, like someone waving going, doing good, keep coming. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're on the right track. Uh, but when things are not happening easily, it's about recognizing that maybe it's not about giving up, but understanding this is not the way and conceding and understanding that shifting to a new direction is in fact just the smart, wise thing to do mm-hmm. instead of trying to um, 
force something because things that are meant for you and in alignment will flow to you easily. Mm -hmm. So then what are the goals that you have for yourself now? <laughs> well, uh, I don't be specific. Like um, I can I can start just listing things or you mean for myself like business wise? Well, I think it's interesting that now that you're not, you have these the Danica double coming mm -hmm. up, but that aside, you're entering this new phase of your life where it's not just about getting a certain race result. Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to build this new career, mm -hmm. essentially. And mm -hmm. what's interesting is that you didn't wait until you were retired to then figure out like, oh, what am I gonna do now? <laughs> like you kind of set this in motion, mm -hmm. you know, and you've stepped into this with, you know, some grace and success. Um, and you have this amazing social media platform that you can then leverage to talk about the things that you're interested in, that you care about. Um, so in your mind, like where, you know, why is this the path that you've chosen and where do you want to take it? Well, um, I will say that as far as sort of doing things that are in alignment with you happen easily, I mean, I have wine that's out finally after a long process because it just is, not because it wasn't a good path, but um, uh, with a great name, Somnium, which is dream in Latin. Mm -hmm. and that's in Northern California, right? Yeah, you're, it is. It's in Napa Valley. Um, so that's finally for sale and that's all flowed really well. It's just you know, you can only grow grapes as quickly as you can get them, get the permits and dig it up and plant the vines and plant the rootstock and all the rest of it. But um, that's coming through now, which is um, really great. And it really follows in line with my lifestyle of food and um, taking care of yourself and lifestyle and um, being present. And, um, and so there's the wine. Um, then the clothing line, Warrior, um, that like things like, like let me use an example. I remember I was trying to do a perfume like a, many, many years ago and you, I couldn't even get a name that worked. Like everything's mm -hmm. taken, it's just not possible. And so I happened, to, I tried to do it twice and, uh, and it didn't work out. Now, like that's just an example, one example. Now fast forward to my, my, um, my clothing line. I don't know how Warrior was available, but it was. And it was like effortless, easy, mm -hmm. no problem. So I have the clothing line now. Um, it's all flowing very easily. Um, you know, we got picked up by HSN to um, to sell it, um, which is a great starting platform. Um, <clears throat> and then um, then the book with Pretty Intense, I, I was asked by my agent if I was interested in writing a health and fitness book. And I was like, um, yeah, actually, I think I am. I think I finally have something that I want to say and a program that's worked better for me than anything I've ever done. Uh, so the book came, the, the name came easily, the, you know, workout program. I mean, I write workouts for myself every single day. So this was like, but this was the real start of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote the whole thing and writing it with some fluidity and build for someone who like is working on air squats and I'm over there doing clean and jerks. I mean, that's a pretty big difference between the two of those things. So, you know, building the progression up was really fun and it just flowed really nicely and it has impacted lives in such a, I'm talking about like my mom, like not just strangers, but my mom even who I'm like, mom. Mm -hmm. I'm your daughter. Mm -hmm. I could have done this for you any day you wanted. Like I could have wrote a program for you any day. But um, so, you know, just affecting lives and having that go so well. And, you know, just all, f f it, I mean, the book has recipes. I love to cook. So food and wine and taking care of yourself, working out and the mind and presence and all that stuff. It just all flows really well. So, you know, I would say that, you know, on the heels of doing things that are in alignment, I feel like they've all been very easy to me. They've 
all come very organically. Um, even the clothing line came as a result of me going to this company wanting to sell clothes at the racetrack. And because um, us as drivers get such little cut of that. So we, we just, I was looking for a way to make money that way um, while I was still around. And they never made up clothes for the racetrack. They came up with a whole different, mm. the whole bigger, bigger idea for me. So all that stuff just came really easily. Right. So the point being, like, you go where the energy is, yeah. is, is, is working, right? Yeah. So the perfume, like, you yeah, can, you're going to bang working. your head against a wall. Yeah, and it's like, exactly. You're like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, right? This is and not And just the as right. like, you know, driving, you know, racing beyond last year full time, it just wasn't happening. So let it go. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that I wanted to do it anyway. It yeah, I mean, happening. it was like you had another year on your contract, right? I did, but my but this is another thing too. At the beginning of 2017, my primary sponsor left. So right. that's new to me. I've been fully funded since day one of everything I've ever done. I've always had support. So, you know, it just was one of those unique scenarios I had never been in before that was mm -hmm. to me a sign that maybe it's time to move on. Did you feel like you weren't able to leave on your own terms? Um, I think that there was a little bit of that. And I think that's part of kind of what ended up leading into how am I going to finish my career off in a way that is appropriate and um, feels good to me. Um, so I was okay to be done. But then we were throwing, you know, my agent kept throwing around ideas and I kept saying, no, you need to be okay with me being done. It's coming. Mm -hmm. Relax. And then he asked me um, last year, late fall, if I wanted to, he's like, what if you finished up with the Daytona 500? And I was like, hmm, what about the Indy 500? And I really was only referring to the Indy 500, like just doing that one race. And he was like, man, he's like, it'd be really cool if you did both. And I'm like, oh, both. That's a good idea, actually. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Let's do it. And I got off the phone. I called. I made a couple other phone calls. And I was like, uh, hi, am I crazy that I just agreed to this? <laughs> and they're like, no, it's effing awesome. We love it. It's amazing. I mean, it's perfect for creating like a media frenzy to like people. It's because it's a story. It's super yeah. interesting. But on that. Well, and for those who have followed the story, they, they, they probably are recognizing that it wasn't all done and dusted when I said it. I mean, like mm -hmm. I, I agreed to this like maybe October of last year. And then November, we made the announcement. And I thought we were close with the team, but we weren't and a sponsor and then you know we kind of had and here we are in mid-january and things are still not to the public although they are very very close right. daytona is february it, yeah right. it's a month less than a month away now almost so you know it took a lot longer but it the deals were not done i just looked at everyone and i was like this is happening it's going to happen mm. and i like willed it so You're and and i will say yeah manifestor exactly and so i and i also have recognized in the process how there have been things that have just been difficult. And I'm like, why is it difficult? And then in the end, the way everything's coming together now, I recognize why it was difficult and it just all needed, certain things needed to not happen to allow other things to happen. So it could fit in this really nice space of getting the right support and waiting long enough to reach out to certain people about certain things. And it's like, oh, it makes sense now. And so, you know, it doesn't mean don't try. It just means don't force something. Yeah, because if you had, on another circumstance, if you had finished out your contract, then the idea of the the Danica double wouldn't have occurred. You wouldn't have yeah, occurred. You, you just would have like sort of done. you would have been done. I'd either and that done another it. contract or I'd have just been done. Right. It's interesting that uh, if, I feel like as somebody who doesn't know that much about racing, I feel like uh, you know, look, there's there's been 
a lot of changes in NASCAR, like their advertiser dollars weren't what they were and ratings seem to be not what they were. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like there's more pressure on the drivers to deliver the sponsors as opposed to the teams. And there's this imbalance um, in terms of mm. the driver's um, ability to kind of control the situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm yeah. not saying I very well, they, eloquently, they don't but like advertise much. So they're relying on you to go out there and win the race so that they get on TV for it. And it's like the way that we always do our deals is no matter who it is, we try and make sure that the, that the sponsor wins before I ever get on track mm -hmm. and everything that I do on track and any attention I get is icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. but, but there's no, there's no like structure. driver union though, or association. Is there? There NASCAR in NASCAR we did, there was an effort to try and kind of create a little bit of a, a driver council union group. Right. But, but that wasn't kiboshed by NASCAR pretty quick. But that also wasn't that my understanding is that wasn't generated by the drivers, right? That kind of came down from Yeah, no, that NASCAR. came from Was the it? drivers. But you know, when people catch wind of it again, you know, nobody wants to lose power. So our point was to make ourselves more powerful as drivers mm -hmm. with a voice. And so, you know, people find a way to kind of damper that. Yeah. Well there's the superstars Whatever. at the top and they don't have a lot of incentive to get yeah. all mucked up by that, right? Sure. But then yeah. there's everybody else who yeah. could really benefit from yeah. that kind of Yeah, and there's you know, people that just want don't want to rock the boat. Right. How does all the merchandising stuff work? That's terrible. It is it? It's absolutely terrible. I made so who much makes more the in money? IndyCar. I made so much more money in IndyCar yeah. merchandise sales than NASCAR. Like probably four times. So the the, does the team take the money, or where does it? Where who gets Shoot, paid? Shoot, they've got sponsors cut in on the on the on the advertising. Like, oh yeah, even sponsors get a chunk of of. So like, somebody buys a sales. Danica Patrick T-shirt. Sure. Yeah, because it used to flow like the rivers of Capistrana. <laughs> right. Um, it was. Uh, it it was. Um, you know, back in the day, drivers were making millions of dollars off their T-shirt sales, and now. Uh, nope. <laughs> That's a big reason to unionize right there because that doesn't seem it's fair just at a, all. It's just a terrible infrastructure. Too many hands in the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. And do you ever wish that you had raced Formula One? Like, what? How come you no, never ended up pursuing that? I don't because what I ended up realizing after I came back from England and having the whole the whole saying of like I will have failed if I don't make F one, um, I realized that succeeding was about being to be is to be good on track and to be good on track I need to be in an environment where I'm happy mm -hmm. I realized that at the end of the time that I was in England and um I, uh, I realized that I was happiest when I was home and with not only my family and friends but creature comforts of like even just something simple like breakfast <laughs> like in England they don't really do very good breakfast over there so um you know the side of the road is not really going to do the trick and you know um sweet onion jelly you know sandwiches from the roadside are not are not going to cut it so I'm 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 a little high maintenance in that category so um, I was just like, I just like being home and I yeah. realized I was happier and when I'm happier, I do better. So I had to redefine my levels of what successful was to me. Are you still living in Charlotte now? No. No, mm -hmm. you moved? I moved, yeah. yeah. Back to Phoenix. Oh, back to Phoenix. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you've had some some lifestyle changes. I've had some lifestyle relationships changes. and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't have to go into that. We don't have to talk about I mean, that's like, you know, paparazzi stuff. But like you 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 concluded a long-term relationship did, and yeah. at kind of around the same time that you're yeah. shifting into this new yeah. life and so, yeah. you know, that's a lot. Timing is I mean, timing was great. Mm. I mean, if I was still racing, I would still be doing that same exact schedule and I wouldn't be entering a new space and happy and, you know, doing doing these other new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about 
the migraines. Oh yeah. I forgot to tell when you met God, Julie. Actually, not racing as much. I might get, I used to get them on Sunday nights after my race. After like, your races, right. And so for Monday and Tuesday, they would be horrible. And I, I probably had a dozen or so in the last two years that are just like, sometimes, sometimes they get to the point where I have to just close my eyes and go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was like, I'm nauseous and I feel horrible. I threw up once or twice. I mean, like they're terrible. Do you ever get them? I don't, but Julie, my wife who oh. you met, like I, I forgot to mention to her that you suffer from those because she has gone through like the gamut with this like and she's determined to get to the other side of it and she does all kinds of you know amazing experiments on herself okay. to try yeah. to resolve them and she's had stuff or, no or just more like, physical, like like lifestyle stuff food or you know yeah drink. like she, she's really into ayurveda so like yeah. all kinds of ayurvedic treatments yep. and we got a clear light infrared sauna and she's doing like hot oil massages in the sauna and like she's mm. just journaling everything and wow. paying attention just to trying like to what identify is the common that. denominators. Yeah, exactly. I was able to identify mine. Mine were number one that came up really easily was um, obviously understanding that it was probably some level of dehydration. Um, so if I had, you know, one or two drinks on a Sunday night after a race, I had a much higher chance of having a migraine the next day. Like it didn't take very much. Um, so that was one of them for sure. Um, for another one that's out of my control is, and I found this out later cause I ended up doing a deal with, um, Excedrin migraine, um, because I had them and they heard about that, um, is coming down. So adrenaline up or adrenaline down can also be a mm-hmm. trigger. So I can't do anything about that, about the adrenaline coming down. Um, uh, hydration is still important, yes, um, but that's not the critical element. Um, what else? I also cut out. Um, I also cut out in my drink in my in the car in my Camelback. I changed to just water because I realized that my my like hydration mix that I was using has fake sugars in it. I mean, mm-hmm. almost everything does like mm-hmm. that. That's to, So I was like, oh my gosh, like that stuff causes headaches. So, um, you know, maybe it causes migraines too. So, um, so I cut that out and shifted to just water. And so I tend, I, I did a little bit better at the end. With, so, but since you have, since you stopped racing, do you still get them from time to time or no? It's only, it was only always like the day after racing. Um, it was usually, but I, I've had them outside of that too. Yeah. Um, I had one, the last one I had was, uh, yeah, it was kind of, uh, it's like late November. It was after the season, but mm-hmm. it was, um, it lasted about two days. It never got to being nauseous, but man, I was like two, three days. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's so miserable. People that I used to, I mean, I'm. I'm kind of one of those suck it up buttercup kind of people like get on with it and your headache just take a Tylenol mm-hmm. or take a Excedrin or take a whatever and drink some water and just stop complaining but yeah until you've had one you really don't know how bad they are they're pretty debilitating yeah I've never had one but I just see how much Julie suffers and I just I can't you imagine can't get away she from can't do space. anything I couldn't even sleep mm-hmm. that's that's the real problem is that you, you, it, it would wake me up because my head hurts so bad. It's brutal. Yeah. So, so, but you haven't found the ultimate cure. I have like, not found the know. ultimate cure yet, but um, yeah, maybe just it'll be something that just fades away over time. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I hope so. That's yeah, brutal. I hope that your wife figures it out too because they're they're uh, they're no fun. No. All right. Well, we got to wrap this up here, but oh. I want to I want to um, take us out with maybe some you know words of inspiration or yeah. encouragement to you know somebody who's listening to this who's you know inspired by your story your example. Um, is looking for a lifestyle change and just needs, you know, that spark to get them off off the couch and and begin? Well, 
the journey is really about the journey actually my word of the year last year in 2017 was truth and the journey is to find your truth and um to really know who you are um there's so much strength in that and so the book is scratching the surface on especially at the beginning on the getting to that point i mean there's even a chapter about um mantras and there's like a magic marker mantra section where you can kind of help develop your own with keywords that are triggers for you that feel good and resonate with you. Um, so, uh, but it's really about having a healthy association with food and exercise in a way that's going to help you be better because food is medicine and exercise is incredibly productive for um, not only for your body physically and your agility and your flexibility and your ability to be able to maneuver throughout your life into old age, but also from a hormonal standpoint and from a confidence standpoint and just the, you know, when people, people look at a hundred pushups, they're like, I can't do a hundred pushups. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding. I can't do a hundred straight either, but I do 10 sets of 10 mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I'm not, it takes me a few minutes, but I get through it. And you know, some people it takes more, but it's all doable. So there's a level of confidence that comes through that. And so when we're at peace with ourselves and confident in ourselves um, and feel good and are not dragged down by food that isn't real. I mean, if the food, if your food isn't made by the sun or a byproduct of the sun, then it's not really food. Um, so it's about getting to real food and taking care of yourself. So I, uh, I love seeing people come into their own um, with a level of confidence. And it's not, again, it if your goal is to lose weight, what are you going to do when the three months is over? Stop. Mm -hmm. I hope that you're, I hope that most people do. They, well, I hope that with this book, if they do read it and they do the program, your life will change, but for the best and that you won't ever turn back and you'll be waiting for hopefully the next pretty intense book to come out. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I love it. Danica, Patrick, you're an inspiration. The book Thank is you. pretty intense. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Everybody should pick it up. I appreciate you coming to talk to me today. <laughs> Thank you. It's great. Appreciate what else? Uh, what it smells else? like Nog Champa in here. Is it uh, sandalwood? Yeah. Sandalwood? No, I think it, maybe this was your. Oh, I yeah. Hang on. It, though, I, so. I burn incense anyway. on the daily, so. Right. Mm, that smells lovely. Cool. Mm -hmm. What else do you have uh, going on here in LA? Uh, well, um, let's see. Um, yeah, we went to Joe Rogan, got one more podcast, mm -hmm. and then um, maybe see some friends that I haven't seen in a while. Um, oh, I'm shooting, doing a warrior photo shoot. So oh. I'm per, like fully like doing this all on my own to develop like a really, really great website to um, create some branding around warrior. At this point in time for the last year, it's really just been on HSN and it's mm -hmm. been just like basic basic shots with the clothes on their website. But, you know, some of my friends are like, where do I get it? And there's some stuff that's not all available there. And, you know, I want to help develop it. I want it to be my baby and and done in the way that I want. And so I, I really want, I really am going there with the branding. So hired models. Yeah. I hired the stylist, um, hired the photographer. In fact, the, the photographer for the cover of my book and all the lifestyle photos in it is shooting Warrior tomorrow. So, oh, wow, nice. um, so I'm really excited to see him. His name's Scott. And, um, and so, yeah, it's a full production shoot. And gosh, I don't know, whatever else, whatever else pops up. You got to live like, life in flow, you know? You're becoming this crazy entrepreneur, blowing yeah. up, lifestyle entrepreneur. No, I love I like it. it. It's fun. It's really just flowing through things mm -hmm. and their passion projects. And when we do things that we're passionate about, it resonates with people. They can tell, you know, they can feel it. Of course, they know if it's it. real. Yeah. And then when you go do an interview, you actually know what the heck you're talking about because you <laughs> did it, you know? I mean, the worst thing is, is when you do something and you have to talk about it and you really don't have content because it wasn't your thing, where there's nothing in my life that I do that I don't understand 
to a very high level. I mean, okay, do I understand every last detail about winemaking? No, but I understand quite a bit about it. So um, do I ever understand every element to how clothes are manufactured in the process? No, but I'm like constantly working on it and, you know, making that all better for myself and for the consumer. So, you know, I am, I'm very, very involved with everything I do. And the, the most involved thing that I've done over the last two years has been this book. And um, I do call it my worst paying job um, because of how much time I put into it. Mm -hmm. But it was by all means my most fulfilling job as well. Um, even if all I did was change my mom's life. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you. You're welcome. Again. Thank you very much. Uh, if people want to connect with you at Danica Patrick, pretty much Danica everywhere. Patrick, yeah, prettyintense.com, somniumwine.com, um, Warriors Coming. Warrior no website. website's not done no yet, but no that's, that's what the photo shoot's right. for. But you have, you have like Instagram accounts set up for, for all of those too, right? Yeah. Yep. There's yeah. Instagram accounts. Yep. Um, so we, uh, we try and get the information out there. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Peace. All right, I hope you guys dug that. I enjoyed talking to her. Give Danica a shout out on the social channels. Let her know what you thought of today's conversation. And if you would like to support my work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Come on, it's so easy to do. It's just uh, something that'll take you one second, but really does help us out with enhancing the show's visibility and extending reach and all kinds of other great things that allow me to grow the show and book the very best people for future episodes. Also, it would be very beneficial and helpful if you would share the show with your friends and on social media, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Rich Roll. This Danica episode is up on YouTube if you want to experience it visually. Uh, and also, we have a Patreon set up for people who want to support my work uh, financially. And again, I am going to be scheduling an AMA, a live Ask Me Anything Q&A for Patreon supporters in the very near future. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Roll. Do you need help with your diet and nutrition? If so, please, I implore you, check out our meal planner. It is such an amazing tool. It's helping so many people. I stand behind it 110%. It's beautiful. It is easy to navigate. And it is packed with so much incredible, powerful information. Thousands of custom tailored plant-based recipes, grocery lists, and even grocery delivery at your fingertips. Amazing customer support. It's everything you need to eat the way that you deserve for just $1.90 a week when you sign up for a year, which is incredibly affordable when you consider what it's actually delivering. To learn more, visit meals.richroll.com or click on Meal Planner on the top menu at richroll.com. I want to thank everybody who helped put on the show today. Jason Camiolo, audio engineering, production, interstitial music, uh, show notes help, WordPress help. He does a lot of things. He's multi-talented, multi-faceted, multitasking. Uh, Sean Patterson for help on graphics and all the video clips uh, with the text and all that kind of stuff. That's Sean. He does an amazing job. Michael Gibson for videography and editing the video versions of the podcast and theme music, as always, by Analemma. Thanks for the love, you guys. Can you hear all the wind out there? It's pretty windy out. Uh, anyway, all is good here. I hope it is with you as well, and I'll be back here next week. Until then, make it great. Peace, plants. Namaste. Yeah.